I'm going to uh, teach on the coming of the Lord. There's a difference between the coming of the Lord and the appearing. Because Jesus comes every day in your life. He already came to dwell within you. Christ within you is the hope of glory. Christ is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Christ is within you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He's there always, all the time. But He hasn't appeared yet. Okay, He will appear. And that's the glorious day that we are looking forward to. The day when He appears. But there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen before He will appear. Can I tell you something today? And if it's only this one thing that you will learn today, and this is it. Jesus will not come until there are a mature body of believers ready to display Him. Now we're going to look at some scripture because that's what we've been waiting for the past 2,000 years. I mean, for the past 2,000 years, everybody thought that He's going to come soon. Everybody said it. And everybody is waiting for Jesus to come. Is that true? Everybody wants Him to come. So if, if they were praying that Jesus must come and everybody's expecting Him, why didn't we realize that we are waiting for Him, but He is waiting for us? That's why He didn't come. For 2,000 years, He's been waiting for us. Now, I'm going to just go through a, a few scriptures you know, everybody knows uh, Romans chapter 8, which says that uh, the whole of creation is waiting expectantly for the revealing of the sons of God. And in Romans 8 verse 21, he says specifically, he says, because creation itself is also waiting. Everybody's waiting. We are waiting. Creation is waiting. All of creation is waiting for Jesus to come. Because creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Creation will be delivered from corruption into the glorious liberty that the children of God has. How free are you? How liberated are you? Maybe creation is waiting because we are not free enough. But we are free enough. But the problem is in our minds, we need to believe what Christ has done on the cross. You see, our greatest problem is that Jesus has done everything. He finished everything. He completed everything. He perfected us. Hebrews 10, 14 says, He has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. We are all sanctified, we are perfected, but we, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. And because we don't believe it, we don't see ourselves as perfect as He sees us. And because we don't see ourselves that perfect, Jesus cannot come. He cannot reveal Himself. Because He's waiting for our minds to line up with what He sees in the Spirit. My thinking needs to come in line with what God says about me in the Spirit. And God sees absolute perfection. He doesn't see any sin. 
He doesn't look at anything that you think is wrong. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your shortcomings. He doesn't see anything that you think is a problem. He cannot see that. The reason for that is he brought an offer, a sacrifice, at the end of time. So that everything that you could do wrong in future could also be included in that same offering. You can read Hebrews 9 verse 12 and verse 26. Where he says he went to the end of time to do this. Perfect work. Say I am perfected. Therefore I am perfect. Unchangeable. See it's only what we believe that hinders us from manifesting his fullness. God's going to train us. He's going to bring us up to the full maturity. You know, he says in Ephesians chapter 4, he says he gave, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Fivefold ministry. I call them the five gifts of Christ. Five gifts. He says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And that's where the church stopped with this verse. But here's the, the punch of that verse. It says, Until or till we all. Say till. Till. Okay, so Jesus says that he gave apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors to teach us until. Until what? Until we come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, let me ask you, are you in unity in faith? Do you know the Son of God? Yes. Let me tell you, if you know the Son of God, you will know yourself. Because as He is, so are we in this world. If you don't know yourself in that way, you don't know Him. Because only if you know him, you will see yourself there. He says there, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Say till. Do you believe that? So will he come? Not until. Not until this happened. Now you can reason and say, yeah, but you know what? We are, there, is, there will always be people that's not ready. True. But that's why God has a remnant. He has sons that He wants to bring to maturity that can manifest in His fullness so that His glory can be seen so that the truth of that glory can convince others that do not believe. When creation calls out and say, we want the sons of God to manifest, to liberate us, we really need to sign up for what God wants to do. We need to grow up. You know what the problem is? In the church that I grew up, it was always about the rapture. 
about we are going to be taken somewhere and it was always difficult for me to understand it and God said to me no it's not going up it's growing up it's not going up it's growing up it's understanding that we need to come to the full stature of Christ you know every one of the fivefold ministry every single one was given for the same purpose to bring us to the full stature of Christ did they succeed in the past 2000 years nope why not well we, we can't come into unity because we're looking at this little thing that's called wegraping or rapture and we think that's what it's about we look at this little thing and we call it baptism and we think that's all what it's about and we take this thing and we say it's about this and about that and about that and in the meantime we are missing the opportunity to come in the full stature of Christ because it's not about all those things it's about Him can we come into the unity of faith can we come to the place where we are one with Him where it's only Him living you know Galatians 2.20 says we've been crucified with Christ I no longer live Christ lives in me so I can't have a problem because I don't live I can't disagree because I don't live it's only Christ, but the same Christ in me is the Christ in you, and in you, and in you, and in every single one of you. But we don't allow Him to live through us because we still want to live. We are still living, although we died. Our old man was crucified. There's no life left in Him. But you see, our mindset is what's keeping us in a previous way of thinking and a previous way of life and we can't walk in a freedom and in all the things that God has done on the cross for us through Jesus Christ we can't walk in the fullness of what God has accomplished because we are still stuck on old things so let's, let's not go up let's grow up the Bible focuses on His coming, not on our going. The Bible focuses on His coming, not on our going. But we made it about our going. But it's not about that. The righteous will inherit the earth. What about your inheritance? For who are you leaving that? If you fly away. I'm not trying to make a joke of this. What I'm doing is I want you to realize that there are certain traditions that we grew up with that became holy to us. And it's so important that we are missing a, a very relevant and very important truth that will set us free because the only thing that can make us free is the truth. Nothing else can make you free. But the moment I realize what it's about, it's all about Him, 
and He's coming and He's appearing, then everything changes. The question isn't when will He come? The question is, will I be like Him when He comes? 1 John 3 verse 2 Now we know we are children of God and we do not know what we will be. But we know this, that when He appears, we will be like Him. The question is, will you be like Him? Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe what He accomplished on the cross to such a perfection that when you look in the mirror, you see Jesus? Do you believe that what He has accomplished through that work on the cross? Or are you only believing the traditions and the hand-downs? Mark 7.13 says, Your traditions and your hand-downs makes the Word of God to no effect. And the Word of God is the truth, and the truth sets you free. But if you don't have the Word and you don't have the truth, then you cannot be free. So you still live with a limited mindset, limited perceptions, and God cannot send His Son to manifest in His fullness through us. And creation must wait a little bit longer for the sons of God to manifest. The reason why is we are still waiting for something to happen. But everything already happened. And He wants us to just realize that. And say thank you Jesus for what you have done. Nothing has changed. The emphasis is the appearing of the Lord. Not the disappearing of the saints. You will find the appearing of the Lord 17 times in the Bible, but the disappearing of the saints not once. It's a holy cow. It's a big thing. It's a big thing to, to, to get over. To get over this whole rapture thing. It's a big thing to get over. Listen, there's two things that don't go together. And that is Christ within me, the hope of glory, and the rapture. They don't go together. Because if Christ is in me, how will the rapture be? Now if we really look at scripture, we will find that it's ungodly that is taken away, not the righteous. So it's a whole messed up thing. Now, we're just going to go through a few scriptures just to make you comfortable. And hopefully you will decide to stay. In Genesis 1.28, when God blessed mankind, when He made man, He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. There's nothing about going away. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Have dominion. Have dominion. Subdue. Subdue, have dominion. That means God is looking for overcomers. God is looking for somebody that can go through something and be victorious on the other side of it. God is not looking for somebody that wants to escape by a pre-trip rapture. God is looking for somebody that says, I'm here because this earth is my heritage. God gave it to me. It was created for me. 
as a dwelling place. And God said He's going to come and live with us. We're not going to Him. Okay, we'll, we'll look at some scripture. But let me give you the background of the whole rapture thing. Do you know how old the rapture teaching is? Can I tell you? 193 years old. That 193 years ago, in 1830, 1830, in 1830, the rapture was preached for the first time. If you talk to Paul and say, what do you say about the rapture? He said, what's that? And Peter will say, what do you mean? You're crazy. What do you mean? You see, the rapture, there was a young girl, 15 years old. Her name was Margaret MacDonald. Very, very religious. In a very Christian home. Brought up to serve God. But she got sick. Very sick. She was in bed for a very long time. And she had this terrible fever. And during one of these times where her fever was so high, she got hallucinations. She wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit at that, st that stage. It was actually documented that she wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. She had a hallucination which she called a vision of the rapture. In 1830. This is history. This is written down in history. This is not something that I suck out of my thumb. This is the truth. So, she told, when she came out of this fever, she told her, uh, she, she had four siblings, a twin brother, uh, George and James McDonald, and she told everybody about this vision that she had. James and George were so impressed by this that they decided to close their business. They wasn't very successful anyway, so they closed down their business and they decided to, to, to become full-time preachers. So they had meetings in their house every day. And people came, they listened to this vision that she had. And these people influenced three main characters. Darby Schofield and Larkin. And these are the three guys that actually pushed or this interpretation of scripture to that level where it became a teaching that was accepted by everybody nearly everywhere. And that's how it started. And they are still preaching it today. But that's not what the scripture says. That's not what the word of God says. There is one scripture that you might bend in 1 Thessalonians 4. That you might bend to confirm that type of vision. But that's mistranslated. And secondly, it doesn't... Um, it, it's not in, in line with all the other scriptures in the rest of the Bible that speak something differently. Now I want to uh, just go through a few scriptures quickly. In Proverbs chapter 2 verse 21, he says, For the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. So we will stay. The righteous, the faithful, will stay in the land. Proverbs 10 verse 30, he says, The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. Clear. Psalm 125, 1. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. 
which cannot be moved, but abides forever. Psalm 37, 9. The evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look for them, and you will carefully look for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Why will there be peace? Because all the ungodly will be gone. All the thieves, everybody that's not serving God will be gone. Psalm 37, 28 says, For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. For those blessed by him, Psalm 37, verse 30, uh, 22, those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. John 17, 15, New Testament, Jesus is praying. Father, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. Jesus prayed. Now, here's a big one. Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. So, if somebody gives you a date when Jesus will come, it is the devil. He's the father of lies, there's no truth in him. Because no one knows the day. Alright. So nobody, don't listen to somebody that gives you a date. But I'm going to give you a date now. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I've got your attention there for a second. Listen to this. He says, He says, um, Why did Jesus, Why did God create the earth? In Isaiah 45 verse 18, He says, he formed the earth and made it. He established it. Who did not create it in vain. Who formed it to be inhabited. That's why he made the earth. If it's our heritage, it, if it is our inheritance that is ours, okay, to be inhabited. Now here's a big, big thing. In Matthew 24, he says, But of the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Let me ask you, who was taken away in the day of Noah? The righteous or the unrighteous? The unrighteous was taken away. And what happened to Noah and his family? They came out of the ark and they filled the earth. Because God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. It's still the same thing. Nothing has changed. God still wants us to inhabit the earth. Okay? But the ungodly was taken away. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So it won't be different. The ungodly will be gone. Right. For as in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. But Noah wasn't taken away. They inherited the earth. So God is looking for overcomers, for people that can endure a flood with God's protection in the ark. God is looking for people that can go through a tribulation and be here and know that God can protect you from that. You know that the water 
that destroyed the ungodly saved, the same water saved Noah. It was the same water that saved him. Peter says that. He says that the water saved him. Okay, so we are not going to heaven. Sorry guys, there's no scripture in the Bible that says we're going to heaven. I'm sorry about that. I'm really, really sorry. I mean, if I wrote the Bible and I could sneak something in to comfort you, I would probably put that one in. But there's no such thing. There's not one scripture in all of this book that says you're going to heaven. Okay. This tradition. Okay. It's, it, it's, it's robbing you of fulfilling the fullness of the Godhead that came to dwell within you. It's hindering you from manifesting the fullness of God through Christ Jesus inside of you. Okay, I'm going to say, I'll say this. Okay, let's listen to a few scriptures. Okay. Right, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, what is our earthly house? This is not water Your earthly house is this body. This is where your spirit lives, inside this body. He says, for we know that our, if our earthly house's tent is destroyed, we have a building <coughs> from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens it's in the heavens but we are not going there listen verse 2 for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven so it's coming from heaven to us so heaven is coming to earth we're not going to heaven sorry guys but heaven is coming to us. Why? Because God created this earth, Isaiah 45, 18, to be inhabited with Him. That's why He says in Revelations 21, verse 3, He says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. They shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. We're not going to be with God he likes us so much, He's going to come live with us. As a matter of fact, He's already living with us. But this thing here, this mind that we have, need to change. Because you see, if I have a constant consciousness, a permanent consciousness, a permanent awareness of Christ within me, the hope of glory, a constant awareness of God within me. That His word is in my heart and in my mouth. When I open my mouth and I speak, it's Him speaking through me. Why? Because I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's Him living through me. He's using His body. This is His body. You are the body of Christ, aren't you? Yes. Came to live within you. And through you. He's coming to us. He came to us. Listen, he says further on in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, if indeed, having been clothed, okay, let's read verse 2 again. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. 
For we who are in this tent, grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. So what is my, what is my dwelling place? It's a glorified body. That is the new house I have. Not this thing that's going to die, that's withered and, and uh, growing old. Maybe if, if I receive what I'm saying, before I die, this will be changed in an instant. And mortality will be swallowed up by life. You know what happens when Christ manifests in you and in you and in you and in every single one of you? If he manifests, do you think other people that comes in contact with you will see Christ? And that's how every eye will see him because we are the clouds where he is appearing in. We are the ones that has him inside of us and is ready to reveal. We will also come, you know, you are seated together with Christ at the right hand of the Father. Ephesians 2 verse 6. We have joint seating together with him. We are seated together with him at the right hand. Remember, with what are you seated? Is it your spirit that's hovering there? No, you are seated together with Christ in one body at the right hand of the Father. That's where you are. Okay? When he appears, Colossians 3 verse 1 says, and when uh, he says there, if then you have been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth, because your real new life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with Him in the splendor of His glory. So you will appear with Him in glory. God will dwell with us. Where will He appear? That's the question. Where will He appear? Okay, let's ask first, where is He coming from? From the inside. So where will he appear? On the outside. He is in the inside, but he will appear on the outside. We will see him the moment when we realize that we will see that happen. Now listen to this. Colossians 1.26 is clear. He says, This mystery that has been hidden through ages and generations that has now been revealed, Christ within us, the hope of glory. Christ within us is the hope of glory. Where is he? He's within us. Listen. He says, verse, uh, Psalm 102, verse 16, He says, For the Lord shall build up Zion, He shall appear in His glory. Let me ask you, in what will He appear? In His glory. Okay, let's just read, where will His glory be revealed? Romans 8, verse 18 says, I consider that the suffering of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. But he will appear in glory. Where will the glory be? In us. He will be revealed in us. Okay, if it's not good enough, Second Thessalonians 1.10 says, When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. Listen to what's going to happen. You will be glorified in his saints. You will suddenly become visible. 
And suddenly people will start believing and they will admire Him in us. That means they will see Him in us. Every eye will see Him. Okay. Now. When will He appear? Now this is, uh, if you want to write down the date, um, don't bother because I'm not giving you a date. Okay, Matthew 24 verse 36 says, But of the day and the hour no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven. But listen to this. First Thessalonians 5 verse 1 says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. A thief in the night comes suddenly without warning. Is that right? Okay, but he says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So, in other words, those who know and are walking with Him will know when He will come. Not the day and the hour, but they will know it's near. They will know it's about to happen. And it will not surprise them as a thief in the night. So if somebody says to you, you will come like a thief in the night, we must be ready, then that person is probably not somebody that is a believer. Because he's in darkness. Because the Bible says, but you are not in darkness, and he will not come like a thief in the night to you. You get that? Okay, so he won't suddenly surprise you. So what is the key word here? What is the key word? When will he come? I'm going to write this word over here. Until. Until. We are waiting, but he's also waiting. We are waiting for him, and he's waiting for us. So what are we going to do? Do you want him to come? Do you want him to appear? If you want that, then there's something you need to do. The thing that you need to do is to grow up. Not to go up. You need to grow up. Because you need to realize that only in the matureness of the Christ that becomes visible in us, we will see him coming. In nothing else. I mean, if he's not fully mature in me, I can't reveal the whole Jesus, can I? He must be mature in me before I can reveal him. So I must grow up into that. Listen to Acts 3 verse 20. He says, And that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive. So heaven is holding him. Some translations say heaven is keeping him. Um, but where is heaven? It's inside of us. The kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17, 21. Kingdom is within you. That's where it is. It's inside of us. Another dimension. Another realm. This heavenly realm inside of us is far greater than the universe outside of us. Okay? Your natural mind cannot fathom that because your natural mind has boundaries. He says here, He may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive 
Until the times of restoration of all things. Okay, until what? Times of restoration of what? Restoration of all things. He will not come until, heaven will keep him back until the time of restoration of all things. Now, was everything restored already? Matthew 17 verse 11 says, Jesus answered, said to him, said to them, indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. Elijah will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has already come. So was everything restored? It was restored. But when, when does that become our reality? When we believe it. When we receive it. It's just like the cross. It happened 2,000 years ago. It was for everybody. It's done. It's finished. But when is the reality to you? When you believe it. To God it's a reality all along. Because He's not limited by time. But to us it becomes a reality the moment we believe it. Same with this. And every other thing that I'm going to mention now. Restore all things. Let me ask you something. Did Jesus conquer death? Are you sure? He did. Conquer death. Jesus conquered death. But we were in Him when He did that. Because we were raised together with Him. And He made us sit together with Him at the right hand of the Father. Is that true? My question is, did we conquer death? 1 John 4, 17. As He is, so are we in this world. Not someday in heaven, not someday sometime else. As He is, so are we in this world. Are we like Him? Then we conquer death. But if it doesn't become a reality here in your mind, it's as if it's not true. Now, if you want to keep on believing the other side, then you can waffle along and admire him in somebody else when he manifests. But if you really want him to manifest through you, then believe it. Believe it. Did Jesus heal every sickness and every disease? Already, he did. Heal all sickness and disease. Okay, now let me ask you this. Are people still getting sick? Yes. But did Jesus heal them? He did. Do people still die? They do. Why? They, they believe more in death than in the gospel. Until. That's the word. Until. Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. Until I make your enemies your footstool. Let's just read the scripture quickly. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 25. 
Those of you that don't have a Bible, just sit next to a Christian quickly. First Corinthians 15. Let's read from verse 25. For he must reign. He must reign. Now, let, let, me, let me just say this. When we talk about he, he must reign. We're not talking about a single person, Jesus Christ. We're talking about a corporate man. Because we were co-raised with him, and we are seated together with him, Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 6. He made us alive together with Him and He raised us together and He made us sit together with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what are we sitting on? We are sitting on a throne to rule and to have authority. Okay, That's where we are seated. So when the Bible says He must reign, He's talking about the whole Christ, the whole body of Christ. Everybody, we must reign. Remember that you are the feet and the hands the body of Christ. Until all his enemies are made his footstool. The enemy must become under the feet of this body. We need to realize that. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. 1 Corinthians 15.25 says, He must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Listen to the next verse. He says, 26, The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. The last enemy is death. But Romans 8 verse 6 says, To be carnally minded is death. So if the last enemy is death, then the, the carnal mind must be the last enemy because the, the, to be carnally minded is also death. So the last enemy is the carnal mind. Listen to this. He must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Verse 26 said that the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. The last enemy is the carnal mind. So what we wrongfully think about God, what we wrong, wrongfully think about Jesus, what we wrongfully think about ourselves, is the actual enemy that hinders him from manifesting in us and through us. It's only our perceptions, it's only the things that we think that is hindering him. Now he says, verse 27, he says, for he has put, he has put all things under his feet. Listen, what is he saying? Put all things under his feet. Listen to what he's saying. He must reign until all things are put under his feet. Remember? But here he says, he has, he has put all things under his feet. So it's already happened. So why is he repeating that? Because we are part of him that we conquer death. They're under our feet. But it's under his feet. You already conquered death. That we conquer death. In him we did. But in separating ourselves from Him, we did not. So, where is your mind at? Is your mind at that place where you know that you are one with Him and death is under your feet? Or are you at that place where you are trying to conquer death? Whatever is true of Him is true of you. Because as He is, so are we in this world. We are glorified together with Him. Remember in John 17 verse 5, He says, Father, He's praying, He says, Father, I pray that You will give me the glory that I had with You before the world was. Verse 20, I do not pray for them alone, but for all of them that would come to faith through them. Verse 22. Then He says, that, And the glory that You have given me, I have given them. 
So we receive the glory. What are we doing with that glory? That glory is a glorified body. Where is that? That's in you. We are seated together with Christ. We are waiting to be clothed with our habitation that is from heaven, which is a glorified body, something that we already have, something that we are already seated with together with Him. Okay? He's waiting for that body to swallow up mortality. That new body that you have inside of you is called life. Mortality will be swallowed up by life. Do you know that? Life. Say, I have life. I'm perfect. The fullness of the God that came to dwell within me. Do you know that? And He's ready to manifest. He wants to appear. And He's knocking on the door. Man, he's knocking on the door from the inside. He said, let me out. Christ is already in everyone. And we are still trying to get people to come in. (laughs) But he's knocking from the inside. He said, this is your life. Colossians 3 verse 1. To four says, and if then you have been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth, because your real new life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, you will also appear with him in the splendor of his glory. When he appears, you will also appear. What of me will also appear? That body, that perfect body that he gave me at the resurrection when I was raised together with him, with what I am seated with. At the right hand of the Father. Ready to manifest in these last days. But you know that body cannot come. As long as this mind is not in line. With the truth. As long as I'm not mature in him. As long as I do not know him. It cannot happen. He's waiting for that. Okay let's just read 1 Corinthians 15.25 again. He says for he must reign till. He has put all enemies under his feet. Till. Hebrews 10 12 but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever not till the next time you sin forever okay sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting say Jesus is waiting till his enemies are made his footstool so if Jesus already made the enemy his footstool why is he waiting till his enemies have made his footstool? Because we, he wants us to realize that we are so one with him that the enemy is also under our feet because we are his feet. But if I cannot accept that, then obviously he cannot come because he's not under my feet and I am his feet and you are his feet. We are the body of Christ. That wonderful body that we have will manifest. Hebrews 10, he says, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering, now listen to this, let's read verse 13 and 14 all together, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Ah, why is it written together, not separately? Why is it all together? Because it's context. Okay, he's saying that maybe you think 
that you are not perfect enough. That's why he cannot come. But you need to realize only here that you are perfect forever. And when you realize you are perfect forever, then he will come. It's a small thing to just believe. It's a big thing that was accomplished on the cross. But we need to renew our minds so that our bodies can be transfigured. Romans 12, 2 says, be transfigured by the renewal of your, of your mind. The moment my mind comes in line with everything, the body of Christ can manifest in its fullness, fullness through me. And when he appears, I will appear with him in glory. He will become visible. He has been, he says, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Okay, now one preacher told me, he said, Andre, it's only those who are being sanctified. Don't you get it wrong? And I said, well, just read two verses before. Verse 10. He says that Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And then he says, by that will we have been sanctified. We are sanctified by what Jesus did. We are not sanctified because we are working for sanctification. You are sanctified. You are perfected forever because you are being sanctified. How am I being sanctified? I am being sanctified by the renewing of my mind. As I realize I'm holy, it's, it becomes a reality to me. You know when God said, be holy as I am holy. He didn't say you must do something to become holy. He said like, be light, and there was light. He says, be holy, and there was holiness. He said, be holy, you're holy. Why do you reason about it? Why do you still try? Are you back under the law? Do you still try to become holy because of your own obedience? Or are you just knowing that Christ has done it all? He perfected you forever. Hebrews 10, 14. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Mm. And I have been sanctified by, the, by, by His will. By, by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Say that. Once for all. Once for some. Once for all. Even that ungodly person out there that doesn't know God was sanctified by a perfect work on a cross. Perfect work. For how long? Forever. Not until you do the next thing wrong, forever. You know the thing about the gospel is that it sounds too good to be true. But this is. Because this is the word of God. It says, you are perfected forever. But you know what? Although everybody is perfected, even those people that don't know Him, even all of them are perfected, they still need to grow up to the full stature. Although they are perfected, they still need to grow up. What is my growing up all about? My growing up is 
the consciousness of who I'm one with. It's a consciousness of His life as my life. It's a consciousness of the body of Christ. It's a consciousness of Christ within me. It's a consciousness of I don't live, but Christ lives within me. It's a consciousness of the power and the glory of the Father within me. It's a consciousness of the fullness of God. When you realize what God has done in Christ, and you just accept it, what a relief. Some, suddenly everything just falls off your shoulders. I don't need to perform anymore. I just need to believe this. It's the only thing. You know, but people, people don't like teachings about immortality. As a matter of fact, they hate it. And they hate you when you teach it. But scripture is full of it. Everybody was sanctified. Ephesians 4.13 Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. Anybody here that wants that? What, what will you lay aside to get that? We say everything, yes. But it's only one thing really necessary. And that's the consciousness of your self-life. When you realize that it's not me. I've been crucified. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The moment you, you start realizing that, things start to change. You know, when you suddenly now speak to somebody else, you start knowing them according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Because God is not interested in your flesh. And all the sin your flesh is doing. God doesn't see that. He's looking at your spirit. Why? The spirit part is that which originally came from God. And when a person dies, his spirit returns to God. Because the word of God says, Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, When a man dies, his spirit returns to God who gave it. And his body will return to the dust from which it was taken. So the spirit goes to the Father. The body goes to the grave or to the ground. What about the soul? Jesus hangs on a cross and he became sin. He didn't take our sins on him. He became sin. God made him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him sin who knew no sin to become sin for us. He became sin. He became the fullest of everything that was not like God at that moment. To such an extent that he even said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he had to fully identify it with the human experience and a fallen mindset of being separated from God. That's why he said, My God, why have you forsaken me? But while he was sin, in that condition that he was in, in sin, he shouted, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Why? Because spirit cannot sin. Even though he was sin, he was the sin of the whole world. But his spirit could not sin. Why? Because 1 John 3 verse 9 says, Whoever is born of God cannot sin. Because his seed remains in him. 
He cannot sin. He does not sin and he cannot sin because his seed remains in him. Anybody that came from God, a spirit came from God, any, any new person that is born, a baby that is born, that spirit came from God. That's the part that came from God. It cannot sin. So Jesus gave his, his spirit to the Father. Your hands are commit my spirit. And they put his body in the grave. And Isaiah 53 verse 11 and 12 says, his soul was poured out in Hades. Soul was poured out in Hades. The soul is what's doing everything wrong. The, the mind, the will, the emotions. And that is what needs to change. So God will change your mind for you. You know when we say that somebody will burn in eternal hell, we have a picture of a body burning in hell. Is that true? But it's not the body that goes there. The body is in the grave. It's your consciousness that goes there. And you know what the fire is? The fire is the manifested presence of God because our God is a consuming fire. And when you come in His presence, you will realize, I am nothing like Him. And His presence will be like torture to me. And it will change my mind. Let me show you. There was a guy, one of the Gospels says, it was one guy, the other Gospel says, it was two guys. But remember the Gadarenes, the guys that came, and uh, when Jesus came there, they, they, they shouted to him and said, Who are you, Jesus, Son of the living God? Did you come beforehand to torture us? Remember that? Did you come beforehand to torture us? Did you think that Jesus would suddenly light the fire there and burn them? No, he did not. What tortured them? Let me read to you. It was his presence. Let's read Revelation 14 verse 10. He says, he says, He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone. Fire and brimstone is what God exudes. It's coming out of him because it's his holiness, it's his fire, it's his presence that's coming from him. That's the presence of God. Our God's a consuming fire. Well, they shall be tormented with the fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. The presence of the Lamb is the fire that torments you. Because your mind will realize suddenly I'm nothing like him in the way I thought I was. And what will he do? He will burn away everything that is not like him. And the only thing that will remain is the pure, sanctified, perfected forever person that God created in Jesus Christ through the cross of Jesus Christ. Absolute perfection. I can tell you now, today, there's not one person that will be lost. Not one. Because if God sent His Son to save the world and to die so that everybody could be saved, because that's His desire, and one person is lost, 
then God missed his mark. It means that God sinned because God did not do what he tried to do by sending his son. But God cannot sin, so God will not miss the mark. Therefore, everybody will be saved. And now, if there's something inside of you that says, no, but you know, this man must go to hell, then it shows you how much you must still grow to know him according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. So that God can change your mind. You can come to the maturity where when you look at somebody and you look at him and you see him in the spirit, that you can see Christ in him and not what's happening in his flesh. Because Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5.16, he says, we have known Jesus previously according to the flesh, but now we know him thus no more. And we should know, therefore we should know each other, all people, according to the Spirit, and not according to the flesh. That guy that gets under your skin, or that person that gets under your skin, everybody... Have someone that's difficult to love. That one. Get to know him in the spirit. Ask Holy Spirit. Show me, Holy Spirit, show me. Show me what he's like in the spirit. Get out of your flesh mindset. Get into the mind of Christ. And look at him. And say, I love you. Why? Because the I that is speaking is not Andre. Because Andre died with him. But Christ lives in me. And there's no person that he does not love. He loves us all. The next moment, it will flood your mind with love. And you won't be able to help yourself. Man, I'm going to this guy to tell him something. And then when I stop there to tell him something, the only thing that comes out is, I love you. <laughs> but that's what God wants from us. Christ to live in and through us. It's not about us, guys. It's about Christ. But not Christ in me only. Christ in every other individual. To know them. You are like him. You are like him. You are exactly like him. The question should not be, when will he appear? It should be, will you be like him when he appears? Are you, are you grown up enough? Are you mature enough? Do you know the Son of God? Do you, do you have knowledge of him enough so that you will be like him when he appears? Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. So we purify ourselves. How do I purify myself? Is it something that I'm going to now, I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm going to be pure. You know what's purification? Purification is when you realize it's him living in you. That's pure. That's when pureness comes forth. And that is when you win your, your flesh. Okay, now creation is waiting 
What is creation waiting for? All of creation, Romans 8 says, all of creation is waiting expectantly for the revealing of the sons of God. But then he clarifies that. Uh, you, can, you can read that in, in Romans 8. He tells us in Romans 8, verse 23, not only that, but we also have the first, first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our bodies. Now, we know the word adoption is not correctly translated because it should be translated from the Greek, it should be translated the placing as, to be placed as a son. Because we are not adopted, you know that. We are born of the same seed. Galatians 3.16, now to Abraham and to his seed, these promises were made. I do not say as to many seeds, but as to one, the seed is called Christ. Verse 29, and if you belong to him, then you are the seed. So we are that same seed, that seed is called Christ. We are the Christ, collectively, corporately, the body of Christ. We are that one. We have the mind of Christ. Our spirit is joined to his spirits. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6.17. And we are the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12. So we are the body, the spirit, and the mind of Christ. Everything. We are the fullness of Christ. It's available to us. It's here. You need to understand it here in your thinking. You need to understand it and take it as your own. He says, waiting for the placing, the placing as a son. But he's calling the placing as the son the redemption of our body. Now, the redemption of your body, if you don't believe in immortality that Jesus brought through the cross, then what will the redemption of your body be? then you don't have something. The redemption of your, of your body is what happens at the manifestation of the sons of God when Christ appears in us. When He's coming from within to without. When He's coming from that realm on the inside to the outer realm. When He becomes visible, this body will be changed in an instant. The Bible says we will be changed in an instant. In the twinkling of an eye. You know that word instant? The blink of an eye? That word that is used in Greek? You know what word is it? Many years ago in Secunda I was living there. And the one morning God woke me. And he said, I want to show you something. And I was wide awake. And he showed me an explosion of an atomic bomb. But it was, it was huge. It was not the mother of all bombs. It was the father of all bombs. <laughs> it was exploding and the, the mushroom went around the earth. It, it, it totally went around the whole earth. And I said, Lord, what is this? And he said, that is when I release my glory. It will fill the whole earth. I said, Lord, but what, why do you show this to me? And he said to me, because I'm looking for a detonator. And I said, Lord, but I don't know anybody who can do that. And he said, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I said, but I don't know what to do. He says to me, just believe my word. Believe what is written in my word about you. And you will see how I work through you because it's my work. It's me doing it, not you. But believe my word. And the word that he used there... Uh, it gave me this scripture that I just read. 
First Corinthians 15 to 51. I'll tell you, mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. He's talking about an, in, in the blink of an eye, in that moment, like it's such a short moment that uh, it's shorter than the blink of your eye. Okay? That's how quick it is. And I asked the Lord, why do you give me this scripture? And he, and he said, look at the Greek. So I looked at the Greek. And I've got this bomb still in my mind, you know, this big explosion. And I look at the word that he used there in the Greek. And the Greek word for in an instant is the Greek word atomos. And suddenly I realized God is saying something. But God is looking for somebody that's willing, somebody that's available. And you know, God, God doesn't need somebody that is the best at something. He just needs somebody that just believes Him and say, I'm willing. Then God can use you. So my question is, are you willing to grow up to the full stature? Are you willing to grow up to that mature level? where it's all about Him and nothing about you, where it's all about Christ and not about you, or are we just going to continue for another 2,000 years in the same thing where we wait for Jesus to come, or we're going to grow up, but Christ will reveal Himself in you. All right, so listen to this. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed... The transformed is something that's happening in your body by the renewing of your mind. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be all changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. So, Will it happen? Yes, it will. Romans 8 verse 11. Listen to this. He says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Is that true? He dwells in us? Yes. The spirit? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Okay. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Romans 8.11 So what will happen? Your mortal body will get life. Why? Because the Spirit is within you. I say in Philippians 3.15 I say that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death if by any means let's not say Paulus I say that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. But Paulus is not dead. Paulus is saam met Christus opgewek volgens Ephesians 2 vers 4 tot 6. Hy saam met Christus opgewek, hy sit in die rechten van die Vader, hy het geskryf. Nou sê hy so, I, I want to attain the resurrection from the dead, waarna verwees hy? Verwees na sy lichaam. Hy sê dit verder aan, hy sê vers 20, hy sê, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So what will happen? This body will be changed. This, this lowly body will be conformed to his glorious body. He must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. Our mindsets is what hindering 
Christ to manifest in His fullness through us. Kan ek gauw vir julle net gauw hier afsluit met die laaste gedachte. Die woord sê, daar sal twee op die land wees, een sal geneem word en een sal achterblij, nie? Onthou julle. Twee by die meel, meel, um, actually sê daar een skrif, there will be two men in one bed. Wat die vir my gezond klink nie, maar. <laughs> there will be two men in one bed. Dit staan so geskrywe. Ok. En ek vraag vir jyre, jyre, hoe is dit moendlik dan nou? Ek verstaan nou nie. Verduidelik vir my, wat is dit? En jyre sê vir my, one will be taken and the other left. Matthies 24. Hy sê, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the bed, one will be taken, the other left. Wat beteken het? Yes, en jy wist kielik gaan het vir my oop. Die heren sê vir my, um, elke mens is een geestmens, en jy het een vleesmens wat eindig gekruisig is saam met Christus, is dit nie? Die twee wat in die bed le, is my vleesmens en my geestmens. My vleesmens, my vleesmens, sal gevat word vir distraction, my geestmens, sal bly om die aarde te beerwe. Dis wat we het gaan. So, as iemand hel toe gaan, tis in aanhalingstekens, dan is dit net my vlees wat hel toe gaan, om uitgesoord te word. Dis hoe kom hy skryf in Petrus, hy sê wat hy skryf, ons nou nou gepraat het, um, dat hulle gered kan word na die gees, maar, um, ge, maar vernietig kan word na die vlees. So die vlees word vernietig. Wat is vlees? Vlees is nie my lijf nie. Wandel in die, wandel in die gees en die sel nie begeerde keer van die vlees volbring nie. Die vlees wat hy daarvan praat is die woord sarks. Dit praat nie van my lichaam nie. Wanneer jy vleeslik is, nie, ons sê baie keer die ouwe is nou in die vlees. En die ouwe is in die gees. As iemand in die vlees is, die vlees wat ons van praat daar, is een verkeerde mindset. Hy sê dit daar is in Romeine 8 vers 6. Mense beleef hel, en baie mense sê ek gaan dier hel. Jou siel, jou mindset gaan dier helse toestand. Dink nie daar oor, dink logisch daar oor. As jy ouwer is en jy het een kind, hoe lief is jy vir die kind? As hy iets verkeerd gedoen het, ons het verochend gehoor, om een kind te tuchtig is om recht te help, om te disciplineer. Dis nie om om te tortier of te pijnig vir ewig nie. Wat sy type pa is God, as hy iemand vat en om vir ewig in een vier gooi en om tortier tot in alle ewigheid? Wat sy pa is dit? Dis nie die God wat ek wil dien nie. God is liefde man, hy is die beste pa wat hy is, hy het ons lief gehad terwijl ons sondags was, toe stier hy sy seen, hoekom sal hy nou skielik ons tortier vir ewigheid, net omdat ons nie een gebekie opgesê het nie? Dis nie waar oor het gaan nie, luister, um, wat we ook nog gelees het, Romeine 8, kom ons kijk gegoe, hy sê vers 5, hy sê, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So waar sit ek my mind? Op die vlees of op die gees? Jy sien my vlees sal tot niet gaan. My vlees sal tot niet gaan. Nie my lichaam nie. My vlees sal tot niet gaan. Maar my gees sal vir eeuwig lewe. Want wanneer een mens wil sterwe, keer sy gees terug na God hoe weet het gegeet. Dit is goeie nies, dat God die wereld met homself versoen het. 
en dat hulle sonde nie toegerekend en dat hulle sonde nooit weer sal dink nie, wat die woord sê. So dankie vader, dat u elkeen van hierdie mense vandag stevige fondatie gee in Christus. Dankie dat u denken van nieuwe mense vry maak. Dankie dat u ons vry maak van traditionele oorlevering en gedagtes wat nie van u afkom nie om ons groot geword het. Help ons asjeblief, Heere, dat ons die kaf van die koring sky, dat ons die waarheid sal sien, en sal vry wees, in Jesus naam. Ek bid vir elke persoon hier so vandag, Heere, dat, dat die liefde, hulle so sal vul, dat hulle allemaal sal ken na die gees, en niemand na die vlees nie. En dat ons net na mense sal kyk, en nie, sal judge oor hulle nie, maar dat ons, sal lewe en liefde spreek oor hulle en laat die goedheid ons sal oorweldig en die mense met wie ons te doen kry dat hulle die goedheid sal ervaar wanneer hulle Christus in ons sien ons vraag in die naam van Jesus en ons eer die daarvoor Amen Amen, Amen.